Hey guys, Scout with Brian here. This podcast mainly will be uh, my analysis of the Russell Westbrook to the Lakers trade. Uh, spoiler alert, I did not like this very much for the Wizards and loved it a lot uh, for the Lakers. Obviously uh, unclear if, if that's the exact uh, final deal. The Wizards, you know, some talk about them maybe getting Spencer Dinwiddie uh, for some of the pieces, which... I guess I like slightly more than what they actually got, uh, but still do not love Spencer Dinwiddie, especially at the contract uh, he's going to be getting. So, uh, yeah, won't change a whole lot. Dennis Schroeder talked about maybe as a sign-and-trade as well, but apparently the Kings and the Wizards both don't want him, uh, which doesn't surprise me. And honestly, uh, I have no idea who would want him at anywhere close to the amount he wants. Um, because I think at this point it's pretty clear that Schroeder is not a well-liked teammate um, and just has a lot of things missing, uh, especially uh, mentally, um, you know, to be a leader, to be a starting point guard in the NBA. Um, not, a, not a fan of his, his game in its current status. You know, I think as a six-man type, you could, you know, get by with him as a, as a scoring guard off the bench, kind of like Oklahoma City did. Um, you know, with SGA and Chris Paul, but in a bigger role where he's kind of the, you know, sole or one of two point guards, um, I think he'll end up being drastically overpaid uh, for that. So not a fan, not surprised that uh, that teams are not loving the idea of him. Um, this podcast is actually a YouTube video uh, that I recorded and am working on getting up uh, to YouTube. This is just the audio from that. So uh, if you'd prefer to check it out in video form, you can hold off and wait for that. Uh, but I know some of you guys have said you prefer, you know, listening to it um, on audio. The video, you know, we'll just maybe have some uh, some pictures and things to go with it. It's not going to have any, like, film analysis for, for a trade uh, analysis, trade review. Um, so you might as well listen to it here, but keep an eye out for this same thing on YouTube. So if you hear... Uh, the upcoming portion on YouTube, it's because you have already heard it. Um, otherwise, uh, I want to apologize to you guys that, um, full disclosure, yeah, I mean, I did not get to evaluate draft prospects, you know, didn't get to do videos uh, of draft guys like I was hoping to. Um, I will say that uh, the, the turnaround just came <laughs> unbelievably quick, um, unmanageable. I mean, with the amount of time that I was devoting to, to watching the playoff games in a ton of detail, just could not, you know, quickly pivot to, to deep diving draft uh, content as much as I would like, or, you know, would have wanted to, to be able to give you guys informed opinions. And I don't like speaking on guys when I, when I don't uh, really deep dive and, and, you know, know them inside and out. But um, not to worry, you know, in the coming weeks, I'll, I'll definitely try to you know, scout as many of them as I can, um, and give you guys some, you know, post-draft, uh, scouting reports uh, on these guys and how they project to the NBA. Um, I'll also obviously love watching summer league. Quite frankly, you learn a heck of a lot more from one summer league game, I think, than, you know, than a year probably of college experience. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, if a guy has a a bad game or an uncharacteristic game or plays out of his mind. I'm not saying to totally overreact based on that, 
I'm just saying, you know, you learn a heck of a lot more uh, how a guy fits on an NBA court, NBA spacing, surrounded by borderline NBA players, um, you know, than you do with him going against a bunch of guys that are going to end up working at a Kmart. Um, you know, some of the college games are just so bad, the level of competition, um, you know, even when you have elite conferences playing each other, I mean, just remember that, you know, there's three, four, at best, maybe, NBA players on the court at a time, um, you know, and, and everybody else that's a starter or bench player, whatever, a lot of them, you know, are not going to end up playing professional basketball even, um, so it, it's just a, it's a huge fall off, I think, the G League, I think, uh, Summer League, again, is a is a much better indicator kind of of, of how a guy will fit. Um, so I look forward to giving you guys some thoughts on prospects after we've seen them um, in that environment. I'll give you a couple quick hitter thoughts. Uh, again, these are not the most informed, so don't, don't hold me to these. But I will say I, I'm a big fan of Davion Mitchell uh, for the Kings. I thought they got a winner in Tyrese Halliburton. And I think they got another big winner in Mitchell. So I think they're starting to change uh, the culture there um, and had, you know, two really good uh, high draft picks, but not, you know, being able to get guys like that, not in the top three, top five, whatever, uh, is a big, and it's a big deal and it'll help, um, you know, them start to really turn things around, I think. Uh, I, I think Franz Wagner will go down as a historically bad pick, uh, especially with Mitchell and some of the guys behind him. Um, didn't, not a fan of him at number eight whatsoever. Um, I like Josh Giddy's game a lot. I think he's going to be pretty special. Uh, I like the guy Sengun. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but the guy the Rockets got, uh, looks tremendously talented. Um, Aside from that, again, I got to deep dive these guys more. And um, Jared Butler, other Baylor guy I do like, uh, he was went way too low. Um, was shocked that he was the 40th pick, so he should be a good piece uh, for Utah. Um, and aside from that, yeah, some other uh, little comings and goings around the league, but nothing, nothing super important uh, to react to just yet. But uh, anyway, appreciate it. You guys support. Apologies again uh, for the lack of pre-draft content. I promise to pick it up in the next couple months for you guys. Uh, also apologize. <laughs> I've been meaning to say this for a while, but any of my patrons um, that are at that 10-plus level um, and subscribed, if you subscribed specifically to get my bet of the day, um, I'll say, I mean, obviously that went tremendously well in the regular season. I think I was... What did I finish? 20-something games over, um, six, almost 60%, I think. That did really well. Um, and then in the playoffs, <laughs> I started doing it, and I started like 1-3 or 1-4 or something. And I'll be honest, I mean, <laughs> like a Ben Simmons, I got in my head about it. I got the yips. Um, I'll own that, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm hard on myself and, and want to – make you guys money and, and do well with those picks. And when I started that poorly in the playoffs, I just kind of freaked out about it, quite honestly. Um, and so I just kind of stopped. Um, but I sincerely apologize, you know, if you were somebody then that subscribed for the playoff picks. I promise uh, I'll make it up to you guys to start off 
Uh, I won't raise the rate any on you for next season. I'll keep it at the 10 a month. Um, and again, at that level, you get my bet of the day. Uh, you get a private monthly phone call with me if you'd like. So definitely hit me up on Patreon uh, if you want to take advantage of that. Uh, and again, that bet of the day, 60% almost in the regular season. Apologies that I uh, I got too down on it in the playoffs and, and stopped making it. Uh, but I, I promise you I'll, I'll get it back. I'll... Uh, I'll fix that jumper in the offseason and be good to go uh, for next season. But again, patreon.com slash scatwithbrian. Best way to support what I do. Um, you get almost, I think, 60 bonus videos. Unlock those right away. Uh, private chats. A uh, bunch of other cool perks you can preview, again, on patreon.com slash scatwithbrian. Uh, again, obviously, make sure you're following on Instagram, Scott with Brian, Twitter, the new Twitter, B Oringer NBA, O R I N G H E R, B Oringer NBA, uh, is the new Twitter, and obviously Scott with Brian, uh, YouTube. So, uh, without further ado, my take on the Westbrook uh, deal, and thank you guys again for your support and for tuning in. So, here's the deal the Lakers just won another championship. Okay, obviously, the game's still got to be played, and anything can happen in a seven-game series. There's a lot of good teams in the West and in the NBA, for that matter, but it's just obscene to me that people aren't going absolutely bananas that the Lakers just got Russell Westbrook for what's essentially the poo-poo platter for them. I mean, this is a team that's a year out of winning a championship. Last year, obviously, major injury issues, but look, a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron has a great chance to win a title every year. Maybe not for five or more years like they were hoping, but for the foreseeable next few, absolutely. And you take that, that group and you give them not Rajon Rondo at point guard, who they won a the title with, not Dennis Schroeder, a selfish asshole that no one likes playing with, but Russell freaking Westbrook. Just a reminder, Russell Westbrook, was essentially ridden off when he was traded to Houston in the first place, has more or less been a top 10 overall player still the last couple seasons. After leaving Oklahoma City when people thought his career was on the downswing, he carried a Rockets team in the bubble, was the best player for them then, yes, better than James Harden, and after being hampered by early season injuries and the 17-32 and start, willed the Washington Wizards to the playoffs. Russell Westbrook is a force of nature. He's a criminally underrated defender, see up top. Obviously a relentless competitor, rebounder, finisher, transition force, tremendous teammate. LeBron loves him, L.A. guy. It's a match made in heaven. LeBron's aging obviously can't carry as much of a load as he did last season. Can't get out and play with a ton of pace. But Russ can. The one thing he can't do very well, obviously, is shoot. Prompting some to say the Lakers would have been better off with Buddy freaking healed. To which I respectfully reply, are you shitting me? Look, Buddy's a heck of a shooter, but it's time we come face to face with an unfortunate truth. The dude's a loser. I don't mean that personally. I don't mean that as a character flaw. He still has time to rewrite his history and prove me wrong, but he's now clashed with Dave Yeager and Luke Walton, 
won a grand total of zero playoff games in his time in Sacramento. And both coaches at times chose to finish games with him on the bench, leading to a conclusion that all the PERs and true shooting percentages miss. There is something missing with him. Whether it be defensive awareness, intensity, execution, overall trustworthiness from a coach's perspective, there is just something borderline intangible that coaches do not like about Buddy Heald, particularly when games matter most. Which is why, truthfully, Russell Westbrook was likely laughing maniacally at the people that said the Lakers should have got Buddy instead of him. He's just nowhere near the kind of impactful guy that Russ is. Can he stand in the corner and make threes? Can he be hyper-efficient and light up some of the Bleacher Report accounts with 30-point games on 10 threes, whatever? Sure. Does he provide spacing? Absolutely. But the Lakers aren't a big three team with Braun, Wade, and Bosh just needing complimentary Battier-type pieces. They're a big two that needed a third banana, especially with Braun and AD's injury issues, Braun's age. They needed another force of nature, and that's what Russ is. Now, if they get Buddy to be the fourth piece with that, to be the elite shooter to combine with those guys, perfect. He could thrive in that role, maybe. But in terms of the right guy to pair with LeBron and Anthony Davis, that's Russell Westbrook, 100 out of 100 times. What did the Lakers prove two years ago? What did Giannis and the Bucks prove this year? Unstoppable forces, like LeBron, Giannis, etc., can dominate playoff games, even clearly without being elite shooters. While having guys like Danny Green, KCP, Connington, whoever that can make shots matters, you take a dominant all-around player like Russ over a one-trick pony like Heald any day of the week. Anyway, back to the trade at hand. Kyle Kuzma just did not fit on the Lakers. For the Wizards or whatever team he gets routed to, I view him kind of like a late lottery pick in this year's draft. He just turned 26. We know he's at least a competent bench NBA player who can give you some scoring spurts. What we don't know is, really, will he ever be much more than that? Maybe he can do it. You know, maybe finally having that consistent role, that consistent almost 40 minutes, 20 shots that he seems to think he's deserving will prove that he's, you know, some superstar scorer and, you know, Tatum-like player as he envisions himself, but that seems to be unlikely at this point. The Lakers, bottom line, just aren't shedding tears losing him. I mean, he had an opportunity to be that third banana in L.A. to still provide them with a, a ton of scoring, especially, you know, games without Braun, games without A.D., and he just never was a model of consistency. He was fine. He was okay. But he doesn't, hasn't seemed to have that next gear in him to just be a consistent, reliable, really good starter. Montrez Harrell, look, I was a big Trez fan. I went as far as to say that I would have given him a max before his playoff faltering with the Clippers. But he just seems to have kind of lost his way as a player. Again, like Kuzma, you know, clearly there's, there's a lot of potential there. But from the Lakers' perspective, I mean, this was a guy getting DNP coaches' decisions to mark a Saul in the playoffs. I mean, they, they got close to nothing out of him. When he had to give up aspirations of his 
you know, wanting twenty million dollar deals to take a measly nine something million with the Lakers. I mean, the assumption was that that was rock bottom, that he'd tremendously outplay that deal for L.A. and then get a much bigger deal next offseason. But that didn't happen. He actually played so mediocrely that opting into that same contract for this coming season became his best option. So now Trez is really at a moment of truth. Reestablished himself as one of the hardest playing, toughest bigs in the league and play with that relentless energy that made him sixth man of the year? He'll get some big, big deal after the season. Continue to kind of flounder around, not play enough defense to make him a valued rotation player? I mean, talk about two ends of the spectrum. He could be finding himself on near-minimum deals pretty soon. He's at an inflection point. For the Wizards, it doesn't really seem to make a ton of sense. I mean, you have Thomas Bryant locked in, who I admittedly don't like at all, but, you know, he's supposedly your five for the future. You have Daniel Gafford, more on him in a minute, but a dude that looked like an all-star for his couple months stint in D.C. And now with Harrell, that's three guys that basically can only play the five spot only one of whom, Bryant, has any stretch ability whatsoever. KCP, perfect fifth star, meaning he was a great Laker, a star in his role, but likely won't be nearly as effective in D.C. because he'll be asked to do too much. He'll be overcast as a third-ish piece. He isn't that dude. He can't dribble, can't create anything in isos. He can spot up, nail shots from LeBron and Rondo, and do the dirty work defensively. Without an elite shot creator in D.C., his offense is going to suffer, and the ultimate role player looks worse when he's got to be a bigger offensive threat than he really is. The Lakers will likely miss him the most of anyone in this deal, but the fact that he was a perfect fifth man also means, theoretically, he's replaceable. It should not be hard for Rob Palinka to find a KCP type. Even if it's midseason, on the buyout market, ring-chasing vet men, He'll find somebody that can do that role. For the Wizards, in terms of this deal, again, I, I just can't fathom not even getting a high first in return for Russell Westbrook. I mean, I know what people say about the contract. I know there's some injury questions going forward. Sure, there's a level of risk that comes with him and a level of that deal that, you know, teams don't want to take on. But you essentially fleece Houston ultimately in a deal that, people initially thought would be pretty even, as Russ, you know, despite some dings, proves to be far more durable than the heavily damaged John Wall, and also far, far more productive overall, and then turn around and lose him for a collection of basically unwanted goods after one season? As much as it pains me to say this, the Wizards made a terrible mistake not bringing back Scott Brooks. No, I'm not being held at gunpoint. <laughs> Scott Brooks, no, is not a good coach. Wes Unseld is likely better than him. But not bringing back Scotty made Russ want out. And maybe will cost you Bradley Beal eventually too. Wes is better, but he's not cost you Russell Westbrook better. Certainly not eventually cost you Bradley Beal better. Brooks, for all his shortcomings in preparation, play calling, blah, 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 was well-liked by players and could command a locker room. Russ loved him. Beal seemingly did too. They should have just given him a small three-year deal or something to ride out this group for the next few years and then see what happens after. Now, make no mistake, losing Russ will have an impact far more than just immediate production. 
the aforementioned Daniel Gafford, he didn't just remarkably decide to go from nearly out of the rotation for a crappy Bulls team to a world beater for the Wizards. Russ had a massive amount to do with his success. From demanding greatness and a relentless motor out of him to creating more dump-offs and lobs than Gafford will see the rest of his career, Russ does deserve a lion's share of the credit for Gafford's success. Same with Rui Hachimura, a talented young piece that made a pretty decent leap in year two. Having Russ around is hugely valuable for young pieces like that that need to learn to be killers every night like Russ is. Maybe Rui still makes a leap to becoming a solid third banana. Maybe Gafford still builds on last year's success to carve out a good role, but I feel pretty confident in saying those guys both would have been better off for sure next year and likely for the rest of their careers were they able to spend more time with Russell Westbrook. Anyway, a big three of Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis is a damn super team. Don't overthink it. And when they win a ring, don't let all these media pundits that gave the trade a C-minus grade for the Lakers and said Braun was washed and they're shooting such a massive issue, tell you it was always obvious or it's unfair. Hey, cat cameo. Because they're lying to you. They didn't always say that. Nobody's thought it would be easy. But of course, when the Lakers are great, it'll all become about how easy it was, how LeBron took shortcuts, how he was so lucky to keep getting a super team, so on and so forth. And about the shooting, this isn't combining Ben Simmons and Draymond also. I mean, Braun can shoot. AD can shoot. Russ can at least hit mid-range jumpers. They'll figure the spacing out. Russ will be an absolute force when Braun's off the floor. Super valuable in those at least 15-something minutes in the regular season. And the Lakers will win the title next year. Probably. At least that's my prediction. For now. Anyway, great trade for them. Terrible trade for the Wizards. Russell Westbrook, a Laker. Still can't really believe it. Thanks for watching. Scott with Brian. Make sure you thumb up, subscribe. Scott with Brian, Instagram, podcast, and YouTube. Appreciate you tuning in.